One of the uh, central themes that the Rebbe spoke about very often, uh, especially in the most recent Fabrengans, is about opening your eyes. Open your eyes and see that redemption is already here, Mashiach is here, in the language of the Rebbe, we're sitting by the table, we have the Leviathan, we have the Shiraber. All you need to do is open our eyes and see it. And the obvious question is, is it really in front of our eyes? Is it really, our eyes, aren't our eyes open already? What does it mean, open your eyes? What does that mean? So we actually find in Judaism, a lot of closed eyes, a lot of times we close our eyes. When a woman lights Shabbos candles, what does she do? She closes her eyes. We just now pray the evening prayer. What do we do during the evening prayer? We say the Shema, the most important prayer. How do we say it? We close our eyes. We, um, we, we, sometimes parents, they kiss their children. What do they do? They close their eyes. When a Chatan and a Kala get married, sometimes they're standing under the Chupah. What do they do? They close their eyes. When you want to remember something, you want to remember something, what do you do? Very often, you close your eyes. When I think about something, concentrate on something, you close your eyes. So what's the idea of, of opening our eyes? What eyes are we talking about? Aren't our eyes opened? Why do we find Judaism this emphasis on closing our eyes? What does it mean? A friend of mine, unfortunately, had to do pay a shiva call to someone who lost their father. They went to this home, and the, one of the children uh, told my friend that a strange thing happened to his father before he passed away. His father had a stroke. And he went to the hospital. A year before he passed away, he had a stroke. And he went to the hospital. And he was totally out of it. So out of it that he couldn't, he couldn't talk. And he was like lying without any energy. And he, and he, went, he saw his father trying to say something. So he bends down. He hears his father say something. What is his father saying? Cola, cola. He wanted Coca-Cola. So his son went quickly to the uh, snack machine. He bought a, a three, four Cokes. And he brought it back to his dad and... His dad uh, was revived, and uh, he was only in the hospital for a short amount of time. Two weeks, he's better, and uh, he comes back to where they lived in Belgium, and his son invited his father to come to their home for dinner, for Friday night dinner. They sit together for Friday night dinner, and the son pours his father a cup of Coke. So the dad looks at his son, what's this? I don't drink Coke. I never drank Coke in my life. Don't you have you ever seen me drinking Coke? And his son looks at his dad like, but in the hospital, you were asking for Coke and you had the Coke and then you felt better. Is my son, I never ever drink Coke. I know what you're talking about. So he asked my friend, what is this about? So my friend said his interpretation. He said, a lot of advertisements for Coke. And it could be it didn't reach his conscious, his conscious self, but it reached his unconscious, his subconscious. So he was subconscious there in the hospital. He felt cola, cola. He, he was talking from that, from that place inside of himself. This week, the Torah tells us something that we need to close our eyes, something which is associated with the subconscious. The Torah says whenever the Jewish people traveled, before they traveled, they had to put everything, everything together. One of the things they had to put together was the ark. The Torah says that no one was allowed to see the ark. They had to first cover the ark, only the Kohanim would go to cover the Ark. There's a discussion if they were allowed to see the Ark, if the Levites could see the Ark, if this was only about the Ark or was it for other things too. But bottom line is, is that there's this concept, don't look at the Ark. There's an Ark that houses the Torah. Don't look at it. No one can see the Ark. Now, Maimonides says that 
even those items in the Torah which don't apply for all time physically have an eternal message. So the Torah says don't, says, don't look at the ark. The Torah is telling us something about ourselves. Now, what is the Torah telling us when it says don't look at the ark? You can't see the ark. So let's go back to the first time the Torah talks about eyesight. First time the Torah talks about eyesight is after Adam and Eve eat from the tree of knowledge. Eve from the tree of knowledge. And the Torah says they opened their eyes and they knew that they were naked. Why does it say they knew they were naked? They opened their eyes and they saw they were naked. Why does it say that, first of all, what does it mean their eyes were open? They couldn't see before? According to the simple interpretation of the Torah, all of their organs, all their faculties were functioning. So what does it mean they, they ate from the tree of knowledge and all of a sudden they opened their eyes they, they, and then they knew they were naked? The explanation is like this. The Chassam Sefer explains that there's two powers of eyesight. There's a power to see the inside of things, the power to see the spirituality of things, the real goodness of things, and there's a power to see the physical, the external, the most, the most superficial parts of things. There's two different, two distinct powers. When God created man, all the angels came before God and they said, God, why are you so interested in this human being that you've created? Why is he so special? So God says to the angels, let me show you how special this human being is. Let me show you what he could do. And he brings a dog. He says to Adam, Adam, what is this? And Adam says, Kela. Kela is the Hebrew word for dog. And the angels are like, whoa, whoa, amazing. And God brought to Adam a cow. What's this? Hara. He says the Hebrew word for cow. And all the angels are blown away. This guy is so intelligent. What was so intelligent about him? What did he figure out? The Hebrew language is different than all other languages. Every other language is just, in every other language, the item precedes its name. In other words, first we have a table. Then after there's a table, let's, what should we call the table? So there's a French word for table, there's an English word for table, there's a Flemish word for table. There's, first there's a table and there's, then there's a name for it. The Jewish word for things precedes the existence of the physical thing. In other words, God created the world with his words. So before there's a man, there's God's words for, for a man. The Hebrew words, every Hebrew letter has a godly energy in it. And our energy is our, our name. And so to every creature in the world, its name is its godly energy. So before there is a physical world, there is the Hebrew words that create the physical world. What Adam could see was, he could see the godly energy in each creature. He could see what it really is, what really makes it tick. Not the, not the external, the spiritual. But once he ate from the tree of knowledge, so what happened was, he lost that ability. He didn't have that sense of Hashem's closeness as much as he had before. He didn't feel the spirituality and the closeness of Hashem like he did before. Instead, what did he see? He saw the physical world. And that's why the Torah says his eyes were open. Which eyes were open? His spiritual deeper eyes were closed and his, and his, and his physical eye was opened. And so he no longer was able to see and feel godliness in the same way. That's why what is the first thing he does with his new eyesight, the physical world? What is the first thing he does? He goes and he hides. He hides. What does it mean he hides? How can hide from Hashem? What does that mean? That means that when you hide from someone, that means is you don't want to associate, you want, you want to ignore something. You don't want to talk like some someone. Uh, I don't want to say. Basically, this gentleman he knows he knows that he that he owes something. They person want to see me because he knows he owes something. When you when you, when you feel when you feel in a, a debt for something, you don't want to like ah leave me alone. So he doesn't want to have to do with God. He doesn't feel as connected to God. Therefore, he stops looking. He's he, he hides. So in a similar way, the Torah says that uh, the month of Tammuz. Is called every month of 
in our calendar, it corresponds to one of our faculties. There's 12 faculties, and there's 12 months. And the month of Tammuz is associated with the eye. Why is the month of Tammuz associated with the eye? What happened in the month of Tammuz? month of Tammuz, that's when Moses came down the mountain, and he saw the Jewish people worshipping the golden calf. Why were they worshipping the golden calf? What happened? They were connected to Moses. They believed in Hashem. They believed in Moses. But when the Satan, when the Satan showed them an image of Moses' casket, 40 days have passed. Moses is not coming back. They see Moses passes away. So what do they right away gravitate to do? Let's replace this experience. Let's have something that looks like this experience. We don't have Moses anymore. Let's make something that's shiny, that looks good, that also is alive and magical. Let's make a golden calf instead of Moses. That's what they, that's what they're trying to do. They looked at the, they, they lost their inner connection with Moses because they couldn't see him physically. And instead they gravitated to something external that had the same appeal as Moses. So what did Moses do? He broke the tablets. If you would have given them the tablets, what would have happened? Oh, these beautiful, huge tablets. They would have again gravitated to the physical veneer of things and not going to the inner meaning of it. And that's also why the temple, the beginning of the destruction of the temple started in the month of Tammuz. What was the problem with the temple? Why does God destroy the temple? It says in the Gemara that there is a uh, psalm called the Song of Asaf. What does the song say? The temple is destroyed. It's not a song. That's a lamentation. Why does it say the temple is destroyed? It's a song of Asaf. So the Talmud says, I'll tell you why it's a song. Because God expended his anger on the Eitzim Avonim. He expended his anger on the wood and the stone. He didn't kill people. Okay. But what is it? why does God indeed choose to destroy the stones. He expends his anger on the stones. What does that mean? Every time Hashem does something, it's it's for the purpose of, as a purpose. Not, not the, in God's world, don't such thing as vengeance for the sake of vengeance. God doesn't try to hurt us and get back at us. What's the point of destroying the temple? The problem with the temple was, what were the Jewish people doing in the temple? They're looking at the grandeur, the splendor. Look at the priests. Look at the order of how they serve Hashem. Look at the gold. Look at the, the, the ornaments. They felt we have this beautiful place and they were doing all kinds of kinds of kinds of dishonest things, uh, very um, disappointing things that are in our history, but that, ha- that happened. And therefore, what did Hashem do? Hashem says, "Let's take away the temple. Let's take away the thing that's confusing everybody. This is confusing everyone. Everyone's focusing on the external. They're not looking at the internal." Abshumba Yochai says in the Zohar that there's something called the closed eye in Kabbalah, something called the open eye. The closed eye says Abshumba Yochai could see glorious. Light, many many different colors, but the, that's only the closed eye can see, but the open eye cannot see it. So the idea of the the tikkun, the month of Tammuz, is that we should we have the power to rectify and to focus on the inside of things. Look at the inside of things, and the Chassam Sefer says the more you look at 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 the external things, the less you're aware of the inside of things. The more you 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 guard your eyes to see goodness. And you protect your eyes from seeing things which are not modest, and you protect your eyes from things which things which are trivial. The more you're conscious of, the more you're able to, the more the spirituality resonates with you. The more the inside of things mean something to you. The more uh, abitzim means something. More Torah means something because you're, you're in touch with the inside of things. But the more you 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 look at your, we look down at our phone instead of up at Hashem. The the, the more we, we lose touch with the with with our with our eye. But the power of Hashem gives us is that we say every day in Shema. Hashem tells us, don't go after your heart. And don't go after your, your eyes. What does that mean? Why do I say heart before eyes? First you see, then you want. No. You don't, not everyone sees the same thing. 
Whatever you want is what you see. What your heart wants is what you see. And the mitzvah Hashem is telling us is, is that we have to, we're able to calibrate, we're able to adjust to adjust and to see the inside of things. Um, amazing story, Rabbi Baumgarten, Rapini Baumgarten, um, you once brought this group of brothers to the Rebbe. One of them, actually, I'm sorry, they came to see the Rebbe because they, they were from Argentina and someone told them that the Rebbe does miracles and wonders and one of the brothers had, unfortunately, had Yenamach, had a disease. And uh, they came to the Rebbe to get a blessing. And Rabbi Baumgarten came in with them to translate with the Rebbe, from the Rebbe to them and back and forth. And when they come to the Rebbe, they came three brothers and with his wife, the brother who was sick. They were, they were very wealthy. They brought with them to their hotel, the whole, whole medical team. And uh, they, came to, they came to see doctors in New York and they also to see the Rebbe. So they come to the Rebbe in the Rebbe's room. And the Rebbe speaks to them. And the Rebbe says, can I see the issue? Can I see the problem? So the brother says, yes. And he, and he, and he has on his chest, the disease. He holds up his shirt. The Rebbe puts on his glasses and looks at him and says, Rebbe said, he said, I don't see anything. The Rebbe says, Pinya, or Pinya government, tell him I don't see anything. The Rebbe continues to talk. The Rebbe continues to bless them. The Rebbe tells them they should start keeping kosher. This, the Rebbe said, all of them, especially this brother, who was sick, should start keeping kosher. And then the Rebbe asks again, can I see? Can I see again? So again, he comes over. Again, the Rebbe looks at him. I don't see anything. Start keeping kosher. And what can, you know what happened. They started keep, keeping kosher. And Baruch Hashem, right after that, it disappeared. Disappeared. Rabbi Yishol Mordechai Ravashkin, his son was here, said an amazing story about his father. Unbelievable story. That his father, it was night of Shmini Yatzeres, he wanted to dance with the Torah. But in, often in prison, they have this thing called lockdown. Someone misbehaves, and then they have to figure out what happened. And so everyone gets has to go back to their cell. So what does Yishol Mordechai do? He's in the cell with this Italian non-Jew, and he wants to dance with the Torah. He's like, ah, forget it. No, it's, it's not happening. But then he remembered something he heard from Baal Shem Rabbi Yol Khan said that a Jew dances with Hashem. When a Jew dances, who does a Jew dance with? Who does a Jew dance with? A Jew dances with God. So he tells this Italian gentleman, his cellmate, he says, you know what the Jews do tonight? He's like, no, what do the Jews do tonight? He says, let me tell you. They have this beautiful, beautiful room, and everyone wears their, their holiday finest, and in front of the room there's this beautiful closet, and then they open up the closet, and one guy screams out, and then everyone repeats it. And then it goes through every pasuk like this. And, and this, this Italian guy is like, yeah, that what happens. That what happens. I mean, he must have had a special soul, this Italian guy also, to, to be able to listen to all this and to be interested in it. Anyways, so he, said, he says, that what happens. So he tells them there's this food and this drink. And then, they, then the one then picks up the scroll. And he picks up the scroll and he goes, And everyone answers. And then... He goes and he dances. It's, it's a tiny room. You ever seen a jail cell? Jail cell is like it's like from this table to to the wall, and even less than that, not so wide. That's a, and he dances and he dances and he dances and he dances the real way. Every akafa, akafa aleph, and akafa beis, and akafa gimel, and he did a shushing. No, no, don't stop that akafa. You know, he did the whole thing, and <laughs> and he said this is the most meaningful akafa he ever had in his life. Why was it so meaningful? Because there was no props. He was able to see the inside of things. It wasn't because of the liquor. It wasn't because of the food. It wasn't because of the people. He got to the real Hakafis. He got to the real Hakafis. He could see inside himself the real Hakafis. This is what the Talmud means when it says, and the Jewish people came to the temple three times a year, 
It says, just like they came to see, they came to appear. They came to be seen. What does that mean? We have inside of ourselves a temple. We are a temple. That's what we're supposed to pray. You know why we're supposed to pray three times a day? You know, it's unbelievable. We're supposed to pray three times a day because each of us is God's temple. And God wants in His temple, in His holy place. You're the holy guy. The Reber gave me a dirty look the other day when I said that I always feel like we're on the same sphere. Lousy, Sheba, lousy. It's not true. But we're supposed to look at ourselves. Just we're supposed to look at others. The whole point is, I'm trying to go to, we're supposed to look deeper. Look deeper in ourselves and look deeper in those around us. So when they came to the base of three times a year, what did they see? They saw the holy place of Hashem and what they saw is what they were. How did they appear? They appeared based on what they saw. The Torah says, Look, Hashem says, I've given you life and goodness and death and evil. Choose life. What does Torah mean? Can we see life and goodness and death and evil? Can we see like, oh, here's falafel, here's chips, and here's life and goodness, here's death. We can't see it. What we see means what we focus on, what we, what we really what we think about. I'll tell you a story, unbelievable story. The Zohar says a story about this couple from Sidon. This couple from Sidon, they get married. They're married for 10 years. And after 10 years of marriage, they don't have children. They wanted another release on another try. So they come to Rishim They ask him to arrange a divorce for them. Rishim says, they should make a celebration. They should get divorced. But just like they got married with food and drink and with celebration, so too should they get divorced with food and drink and celebration. Okay, the rabbi says, the rabbi says, so make a big wedding celebration. They celebrate their lives together. And they drink and they eat. And it's a celebration. It's not obviously a bittersweet celebration. But they celebrate. And they eat, they invite their friends. And he drank a little bit too much. And he's drinking, and all of a sudden he says to his wife, my daughter, he says, take anything you want from this home. Anything you want, take to your father's house. Whatever you want is a gift to you. Call his wife his daughter? That's what the Talmud says, yeah. Call his wife his daughter. So uh, there's, that's a different discussion. There's different layers of relationship. Why he said that then? Anyways, but he said, take anything you want. Then he falls asleep, drunk. And she tells the servants, Take this guy, take him and bring him to my father's house. At midnight, he wakes up in his father-in-law's house. And he's like, where am I? She's like, you're in your father-in-law's house. He says, why my father-in-law's house? She said, because you said I could take anything I want from the, from the home. There's nothing in this home more precious to me than you. <laughs> Next day, they go back to Hashem Yochoi. They go to Hashem Yochoi. And Hashem Yochoi says, I'm going to pray for you. He prays for them and they have a child. Now, the question is, why couldn't he do that before? Why couldn't it before? If they, he had the power to bless them with a the child, when they first came to him, we were married for 10 years, so don't worry, I'll bless you with a child. You know why he couldn't bless them before? Because before, they looked at their marriage as transactional. They looked at their union, it was for the purpose of having children. They were getting together because they're going to have children. They don't have children, there's no value in the marriage. But when they were going to get divorced, sometimes, often, unfortunately, it's when, they, when you're going through a crisis that you first look deeper into what, what's really going on. They didn't look at each other. They didn't value each other. But when they were going to, to this through this divorce process and this celebration, they suddenly looked at each other in the eyes and they suddenly felt this love for each other they never had before. They were able to suddenly enjoy and celebrate each other. As she said, there's nothing more precious to me in the house than you. That's, that, that realization made them open to receive Hashem's blessings because where they, they, they suddenly saw deeper. They didn't see the external anymore. Suddenly they saw what's really going on. They suddenly saw, these, they saw the inner bond that they had. And same is also with us and Hashem. It's possible that we look at a relationship with Hashem in a very transactional way. There are things we want from Hashem, things we don't get, things we ask for. 
and we don't get what we want, we think, okay, so so it's not, not really worth it. It's not really worth it. You're not giving me what, what I want, so it's not really worth it. And therefore, we... we so there's, the, the Talmud con- continues over there and says, if this is true for a human being, that a human being says to another human being, you're more precious to me than anything else in the world, and that causes the blessing to come down, when a Jew says, says the Talmud, when a Jew says to Hashem, there's nothing more, and a Jewish people say the Talmud is wait, they're waiting for God's salvation all the time. When they turn to Hashem, and they say to Hashem, there's nothing more precious to me in the world than you, it's certain, says, says the Talmud, that opens up salvation for all our people. What happens is, is that you suddenly stop looking at things externally, you suddenly feel the inside of what's going on. And when you feel the inside of what's going on, and you appreciate the bond itself with Hashem, and you feel the connection with Hashem, so then, so then it's not like... There's, there's, you take away the blockage. You take away the, the, the things which are holding back the blessing because you're connecting with Hashem on a whole different level. I heard a story today. I sent it to some of you. Unbelievable story. There were, you got to start the story? Unbelievable story. There's a guy named Jonathan Kessler. Jonathan Kessler is a, is a macher. He does a lot, a lot of things for APAC, for Israel, government circles. And he was once speaking in this Chabad house. And he, he finishes speaking and someone says to him, she's so oh, excited, he's so he's so passionate. He says, tell me, what kindled you? What ignited you? Why are you so excited about, about helping the Jewish people? Where does it come from? So I'll tell you. He says, from your Chabad Yeshiva student. Chabad Yeshiva student. He did it for me. How did he do it for you? He said, I had this office in Manhattan. And every Friday, you go to Manhattan, I'm saying, New Jersey. You go every Friday, these, this boy would come and ask him to put on film. Every single Friday. And every Friday, he wasn't into it. What did he say? He said, no. So a thousand times he asked him, a thousand times he said no. One week, he tells this yeshiva boy, he says, I just want to ask you, where do you get the resilience from? Where do you get this, this devotion you, you keep on coming again and again? You don't give up? Where does it come from? The boy's like, what, what, what do you mean? He says, well, you fail every single time and you still come back. Why do you come back if you keep on failing? And the boy didn't get it. and He probably shouldn't have said it, but he said it. He said... You said you fail because you asked me to put on tefillin and I don't put on tefillin. You came to do this thing with me, I'm not doing it. You fail again and again, you still are coming. Why do you keep on coming back? So the boy said, I'm not really coming just for tefillin only. I'm coming to give me, the, instill in myself, instill in you the sense that we really are brothers. We're part of one family, we're part of one people. And to remind us, to remind ourselves that, to remind both of us, no matter what happens, we are really one people. We're really family. That's why I'm here. So this guy, he melted. He, he, he reached over to the Yeshiva boy and he hugged him for a very long time. And that ignited in him this passion for the Jewish people, this pride in the Jewish people. Until today, that's what, he, that's what, that's what makes him do what he does. This is the call of the hour as we're getting ready for the holiday of Shavuos. Holy hour is, holy hour is, what happened when, we, when God wanted to give us a Torah? We weren't ready because we kept on fighting with each other. But then we came on the first day of Sivan. We came to Mount Sinai like one person with one heart. What happened then? God says, now is the time to give you the Torah. How come all of a sudden things change? What happened? What happened when we started looking deeper into each other. We started looking at, 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 we didn't look at each other most in an external way as we did before. Ruvain and Shimon are talking during the rabbi's speech. Rabbis, I can tell you, they really can't stand when people talk during their speech. They get annoyed. Some rabbis, they have therapy, they have Prozac. Some people just, just they get really annoyed. Anyways, so, so Reuben and Shimon are talking in the middle of the rabbi's speech. 
<coughs> and after the rabbi finishes speaking, they go over to the rabbi and say, congratulations for such an amazing speech. Thank you so much. And the rabbi's like, thank you for thanking me, but you weren't really listening. He said, no, rabbi, this guy doesn't speak English. So I, I, I had to translate for him. I was translating what you were saying the whole time. We, our perception is really, really very limited. We really don't see what's going on in other people. And you know what happens? This is, this is really, I want, to, I want you to, if you take something from tonight, I want, this is what you take. When you look at other person's goodness, what part of you is looking at that person? Your neshama is looking at the other person. When you see that other person's shlachtkeit, you see that person's animalistic self, you see that other person's ugliness, what part of you is seeing that? It's your own ugliness, your own earthiness, what's, that's seeing the other person's ugliness. When you look with your goodness, you see the other person's goodness. It's your goodness that can notice the other person's goodness. Your, your, your external part, you can't see the goodness. So what happens when you develop your power of sight? What happens when you develop your ability to see beneath the surface and see the other person's goodness and sweetness? You become sweeter. You become better because you're, you're exercising that power in you and you're developing it and you're making it come out and you're making it resonate. You make, you're feeling it and, and, and it, and it, and it not, not first of all, it draws out the goodness of the other person, but it draws out your own goodness. You start becoming a much better person because your neshama is activated. There's one thing that we know that for sure touches our neshama. Seeing the good other person is for sure direct a soul thing. You can't see good other person out without accessing your soul. You, when you see good other person, you are using your soul. I know what soul looks like. Soul looks like the beauty of the other person. Seeing the goodness of the other person, that is soul. So just like the Talmud says, that when you say to Hashem, there's nothing more precious to us than Hashem. That brings the salvation of Hashem. Same as also when a husband says this to a wife and a father says to a child, and even more, we say this to each other. We say this to each other. We look at each other and say, "There's nothing more special to me than you." We look at each other. You know what's going to happen when Sheikh comes to Vitali? You're sitting across the table. Sheikh's going to come right now. You know what's going to happen? Like, just look at see Vitali. You see that beautiful smile? We're going to all smile at each other when Sheikh comes. We're going to all see so how good it is, how sweet it is for brothers to sit together. That's what we're going to. We're all going to smile like like we'll be so happy with each other. <laughs> the first thing that happens when Sheikh comes. So how do we get ready for this? Get ready for this. By looking at each other's goodness, looking at our own goodness, believing in our own goodness. Because you went to Beis Hamikdash and you saw the holiness of Beis Hamikdash, you said, "Ah, I don't need that stuff. I don't need that stuff. I know who I am." David should help us all. We should we should be able to look at the goodness. As the Torah says, "Look at the goodness, focus on it, and then you'll choose life." We always choose what we focus on. You look at the goodness you, with your mind's eye deeper, looking deeper into each other, into ourselves, into what's going on. This brings out our own goodness, brings out the goodness in the world, and this brings us to the. the to the truth we go to Mashiach. It's here. All the signs are there. To look in the world around us and see the goodness and see the Geula. And we should see it not just in a spiritual way, but in a physical way with Lobyas and the Shiraber. Tonight, Mamish. Chaim. Amen.